Well, good morning again. It's good to see everybody. Um, my name is Derek, and um, you are uh, here today catching us in part two of a six-part sermon series called Freedom. And uh, for some of you, as you hear that word freedom, that is just striking to you because the last word that you would ever associate with church would be freedom. The last word that you would associate with some sort of organized religion or Christianity would be freedom. And in fact, maybe the only time growing up that you have ever remembered hearing something about freedom or being free was like over July 4th service at a church, maybe. Because when you think about freedom, when you think about church and organized religion and Christianity, uh, what comes to your mind isn't freedom, it's actually restriction. It's a whole bunch of rules and regulations. It's a whole bunch of do's and don'ts and shoulds and shouldn'ts. But what's really interesting is that Christianity is actually all about religion. Or, I'm sorry, it's all about freedom. That's funny, right? Yeah, start over. Um, because what Christianity in, in essence is, it's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ and it's about following Jesus. And following Jesus is all about freedom. And uh, we are looking in this six-part series at a, a, a book in the New Testament of the Bible called Galatians, and that's the subject of this six-week series. And um, it's this little letter that, that the Apostle Paul, this famous Christian named Paul, wrote to the church in Galatia. We've got a map, modern-day Turkey region. So he's writing this letter to these Galatians. These are these Christians. And the whole point of Paul's letter to the Galatians is freedom. That's his whole thing. That's his one driving theme that he's trying to impress upon them. Because you see, he's writing, Paul's writing to a group of Christians in Galatia who are not experiencing freedom at all. He's writing to a group of Gentiles. Gentiles were, were non-Jewish people, and uh, they had come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, but they were now being convinced by outsiders that it wasn't just good enough just to believe in Jesus and have faith in Jesus, but that you actually had to follow all the Jewish laws and traditions and customs, and that's really what it meant to follow God. And so they didn't, they weren't experiencing freedom at all. And so Paul's writing this letter and he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's all about freedom. You are totally free. Now, as we get into uh, chapter two, Paul, to illustrate this point, he tells, he tells the Galatians a story. He tells them a story of a confrontation that he had with another one of Jesus' disciples named Peter. And I mean, and this was quite something back in the day in early church history. So let me just explain to you who Paul and Peter were. Well, Paul and Peter, arguably the two greatest Christian leaders in the early church, okay? Both of them were Jewish, but there was one big difference. Peter, and he was the leader of the 12 disciples, he walked with Jesus for the, the whole of Jesus' ministry. Peter's primary mission, so to speak, his primary audience that he was trying to reach were his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters. That's where Peter felt comfortable. He spent a lot of time in Jerusalem and in the surrounding area, primarily talking to Jewish people about Jesus. Now, Paul, on the other hand, his ministry 
was a lot different. He did spend some time in the synagogues talking to uh, fellow Jews, but primarily Paul felt called to talk to non-Jewish people. He felt called to, to reach Gentiles. And so you see, uh, as, as we move from Galatians chapter one into the second chapter of the letter, we're gonna start uh, in the first verse, but I wanna give you a little bit of background. So what Paul is writing to the Galatians, he says, listen guys, here's the deal. I had this incredible revelation from God. And in that revelation from God, basically like Jesus met me on the road because you see, and you, some of you may know this already, but Paul was actually persecuting Christians. He was so adamant in his Jewish faith, he thought, oh man, there's no way that this, this, this Christianity thing is, is for real. And so he was tr- rounding up Christians and trying to kill them. And, and Jesus met him and had this radical in- encounter with Christ. And then he went from persecuting the church to being the number one advocate of Christianity. And so Paul says, three years after that, this is just towards the end of the first chapter of the letter, three years after that, he, he met Peter. He met with Peter, and he just wanted to spend a couple weeks with Peter. So he did that, and then um, that was, that was um, some time ago. It was three years after his conversion. And then, we pick, this is where we pick it up in Galatians 2, first, first verse. He says, and 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again, which is where Peter was. He says, this time with Barnabas and Titus came along too. So this is kind of like Peter, or Paul's preaching team. Paul says, I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church. This was Peter, James, John, some others. And shared with them the message I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. And they supported me and did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised, though he was a Gentile. So here's, what's, here's what Paul is saying right here. He's saying, okay, guys, listen up. So since I've been out talking to the Gentiles who didn't practice any of the Jewish traditions, didn't follow any of those laws, he said, I just wanted to come back and huddle with all the leaders who were primarily preaching to the, to the Jews and saying, okay, just so we're all clear, the only thing that makes us right with God is just faith in Jesus and what he's done, right? It's got nothing to do with you know, eating certain kind of meat or you know, being circumcised or any of these different laws or traditions or whatever, right? Just, just want to make sure we're clear. So private meeting, got the leaders together, and, Paul, and Paul's just telling the church in Galatia here, so we were good. We're all on the same page. We all agree there's only one thing that makes you right with God, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. So whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, whatever you know, your religious practices, it, it is irrelevant in terms of what makes you right with God. So then we fast forward a few verses, pick it up in verse 11. He says, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, these would have been the more strict Jewish Christians who would have been adhering to all the different Jewish laws and traditions. It says, when they came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas, now Barnabas was Paul's right-hand man, so now it's getting really personal. Even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So 
Paul's like, listen, here, here's the deal, guys. So Peter comes up here to, to the church and everything's going well. You know, he's eating with, with Jewish uh, Christians. He's eating with Gentile Christians. Doesn't really matter because we all know that it's just all about faith in Jesus. Doesn't matter what you do, the laws you follow. And so everything was cool, he says. But then when these really strict religious Jewish Christians came along, they started to pressure Peter, say, you can't eat with Gentiles. I mean, don't you know what the Jewish tradition says? You will defile yourself. You can't go into the house of a Gentile. You can't eat with a Gentile. I mean, you just can't do that, Peter. And so, and this is crazy to me, because, so Peter gets pressured, and he caves. Now, What's so disappointing about this is that Peter knew better. So he's just recently had this meeting where all the leaders have gathered and established that the only thing that makes you right with God is faith in Jesus. That all this other stuff doesn't matter. And not only that, but if you read through the book of Acts, so in the New Testament, after the four Gospels, it's the book of Acts, and that's the historical account of the early church. What you find in Acts chapter 10 is it records this incredible revelation that Peter had from God, this vision that Peter had, where God so clearly, he had a lightning bolt experience where God reminded him, man, it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile or what practices you have, the only thing that matters is faith in Jesus. And so Peter, he knows better than this, and yet he caves anyway. And the question really is, why in the world does he cave? Why doesn't he stand up? I mean, Peter, man, this guy was a hard charger. He wasn't afraid to confront people. He confronted Jesus, called Jesus out until Jesus put him back in his place, right? He was the guy that, he was the guy that walked on water. He was the guy that when Jesus got arrested, he took out the sword and chopped off the guy's ear. So Peter wasn't afraid of a little controversy. He wasn't afraid of of some uh, confrontation. So why did he cave here? Well, here's why, and it makes sense if you think about it. Remember, Peter's primary ministry is to his fellow Jewish friends. So it was just a lot easier, if you think just from a practical perspective, if Peter could say to his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters, hey, you know what, um, you, you, can, you can believe in Jesus and then, you know, also like all those laws and traditions and all that stuff, like that, that's, that's cool. Like, you know, just keep on, you can, you can do all that stuff. Like that, that's totally fine. And so for, for someone who was Jewish, that just, that was so much better because think about it. The, the Jewish culture, this was, this was their whole life. I mean, what they ate and where they went and all those different traditions and all those things that they practiced, that gave them their identity, right? That, that helped them to understand that they were God's people. And so to, to know that they were just free to walk away from all that and all of a sudden some of these rules and restrictions and things that really set them apart, all of a sudden they didn't have to do those things anymore. Those things weren't binding on them. All of a sudden that was terrifying for the Jewish Christians. So... So we don't know where Paul was, but Paul obviously had been away for a little bit. So then it says in verse 14, Paul obviously comes back and sees what's going on. And and he writes, so when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, Peter, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, 
Why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. So Peter comes, he sees the church divided now into two camps. And the reason he publicly calls, Paul, Paul calls Peter out is because this is already like, this, everybody knows this is this major issue, this major scandal. And so he really confronts Peter for two reasons. One's theological and one is pastoral. The theological reason why he confronts Peter is because basically by Peter saying that all these Jewish laws still had to be kept, they still had to follow all these things, basically what Peter was doing is he was saying, guess what? It's not just faith in Jesus that makes us right with God, but there's all these other things that we have to do as well. And so Paul was like, that's not, that's not Jesus' message. That's just, that's, that's wrong. He had to stand up for the truth of what Jesus had taught. So that was the theological reason. And then the pastoral reason was this. What Paul could see was that these laws that these Jewish Christians and these Gentile Christians were being basically forced to still follow, they were actually holding them back from the life that God wanted them to lead. You see, how in the world were these new Christians who were being told, oh, also you got to do all these Jewish laws and traditions too. How in the world were they supposed to be free to just go out and love everybody if they couldn't even walk into the house of anyone who wasn't Jewish? I mean, Jesus said, you're supposed to go and spread my message to the whole world, to every single people group. How could they possibly do that? So what Paul knew was, if, if we're still going to be bound by these laws and these traditions, we're, we're going to be held back. We cannot be bound. We are free in Jesus, no longer held by these laws. I don't know how many of you have seen the movie Shawshank Redemption, but it's a great movie. And I want to show you the scene where the old man named Brooks gets freed from prison. And just so you know, this old man, Brooks, has been in prison his entire life adult life. This is all he knows, okay? Very similar to these Jewish believers now who their whole life, all they knew was the Jewish law. All they knew was that they had to follow these things in order to be made right with God. And so um, can we go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and cue up that that clip. Thanks, Mark. Good luck, Brooksy. Dear fellows, I can't believe how fast things move on the outside. Watch it, old Tommy. 
I saw an automobile once when I was a kid, but now they're everywhere. The world went and got itself in a big damn hurry. got me into this halfway house called the Brewer and a job bagging groceries at the foodway. It's hard work and I try to keep up but my hands hurt most of the time. Make sure your man double bags. Last time he didn't double bag and the bottom near came out. Make sure you double bag like the lady says. Understand? Yes sir. Surely will. I don't think the store manager likes me very much. Sometimes after work, I go to the park and feed the birds. I keep thinking Jake might just show up and say hello, but he never does. I hope wherever he is, he's doing okay and making new friends. I have trouble sleeping at night. I have bad dreams like I'm falling. I wake up scared. Sometimes it takes me a while to remember where I am. Maybe I should get me a gun and rob the foodway so they'd send me home. I could shoot the manager while I was at it. Sort of like a, a bonus. I guess I'm too old for that sort of nonsense anymore. I don't like it here. I'm tired of being afraid all the time. I've decided not to stay. I doubt they'll kick up any fuss. Not for an old crook like me. Why did I show you such an uplifting <laughs> scene? So this old man, Brooks, he'd never known freedom. And then when he finally stepped out into it, it was terrifying, wasn't it? He was lost. Didn't know what to do with it because you know where he longed to be, right? He longed to be back in the prison. He longed for what he knew, what was familiar, what was comfortable, what was routine. And you see, this is what's at the heart of why Peter caved. Because you see, ultimately, here were these Jewish believers in Jesus. It was so much easier to just stay with what they knew, to continue to be bound by all these laws and these traditions. It was terrifying to walk out and say, you know, I don't have to live that way anymore. I can go and associate with anybody that I want now because we're just, we're all free in Jesus Christ. I mean, that was absolutely terrifying. Freedom can be a really scary thing because you see, we long to hold on to the old and what's familiar. And the reality is we see this in Shawshank Redemption. We see this 
with these Jewish Christians in the early church. But this is also true for us. See, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus calls us out into a radical freedom and into this incredible adventure of following him. You remember um, when, when Peter called his first disciples, he called Peter and Peter's brother Andrew. They were fishermen, right? He's like, hey guys, guys, drop your nets and come follow me. You're gonna have to leave that behind if you wanna go on the thrilling adventure ride with me. Peter, you wanna walk on water? That's cool, man, but you gotta let go of the side of the boat. That's the only way you're gonna get out here. And so for us, we long for that freedom in Christ. We, we want to follow after him. We wanna experience him. But if we're gonna be honest, it's also kinda scary. And there's a lot of stuff that it's a lot more comfortable if we hold on to some things. It's hard to let go. When I was a sophomore in college, one night I was hanging out with some buddies and uh, we just, I don't know how we got on the subject of skydiving, but we did, man. And the next thing I knew, I was in a world of trouble because it was the next morning and we had all sworn on our honor that we were going to go skydiving. And let me just say that I'm one of those people, I have a very healthy fear of heights. Has anybody else got a very healthy fear of heights? Okay, like I do not like being up high. I, I, I feel nauseous. And so all of a sudden I'm like in eastern Indiana somewhere at this tiny little podunk rural airport and I'm going through jump master school for four hours so that I can go up in an airplane. And I remember sitting in this airplane and, um, and so it's like, it's this tiny little thing, right? And we've all got our, there's, there were three of us and the pilot and the jump master, all right? He looked like he just learned everything like three hours before us. But anyway, um, so we're sitting in this tiny little plane, and it's like so small that we're like, you know, we're sitting all just up here and we're kind of sitting all over each other. And um, so we're, we're getting ready to, to head up. And I remember we, we took off and we're starting to, starting to go, we get about 5,000 feet and I'm looking down and I'm like, that's not high enough. I don't have time. There's not enough time. And um, I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to go into too many graphic details here, but um, I actually was pretty sure that I was going to leave some sort of bodily fluid <laughs> on that plane. I mean, I, I was externally as a bunch of 19-year-old guys, so I was good, you know what I'm saying, on the outside, but inside I was completely losing my mind. So, so we get about 5,000 feet, that was, that was the height of the jump, and I'm sitting there, feet pulled in like this, and all of a sudden the, the jump master goes, okay, he leans over, and this was like the, the, like the front of the plane was this way, right? So the side of the plane was right here. It just swings open this huge door. And I'm like, <gasps> and he goes, okay, you. He points at me. And I'm like, huh? And he goes, swing your legs over. So <laughs> I swing my legs and now they're just dangling. You know, I'm just dangling just out in the, in the, in the free air. And um, so the deal was for, for the way this worked, um, the, the wing was like right here going out this way. And then there was this bar that connected the wing to the body of the plane. And this bar was, was that was your target. Because basically then you're, you're hanging over like this and you're supposed to put a hand down on the bar here and then you're supposed to kind of reach out and grab the, grab the bar. So I do that 
and, I'm, and now I'm just hanging. I'm like <laughs> Superman. And that, that, was, that was actually the, the way that they did it at this particular place, right? I'm, you've, done, you've done skydiving before maybe, and so it's a different way. But So I'm literally now, I'm hanging by this bar. You know, I don't know how fast the plane was going, but I'm like Superman. And um, so the, the deal was that then you, um, you, you looked back over at the jump master. The jump master would tell you exactly when to let go. And so you look back at the jump master and they would say, are you ready to jump? And, uh, and you'd look back at them and you'd go, yeah. And when you did that, they would snap your picture. And it's killing me because I could not find, I searched for like three hours, could not find a picture. I'm very disappointed. I don't have the picture. So you can just think that I'm making this all up, but whatever. <laughs> Believe me, I'm not. So, um, so he goes, are you ready to, you ready to jump? I look back and go, yeah. And he goes, okay, let go. And obviously, that's when you're supposed to let your hands off the bar. I was trying to let go. <laughs> but you ever have one of those moments where like, you're trying to tell a part of your body to do something and it is absolutely unresponsive. Like my hands became completely disconnected from my brain and they refused to let me drop to my death, right? It was, they, they just weren't going to let me do that. It was like self-preservation. So I'm sitting there and, and then, you know, I'm not letting go. And he goes, hey, I look back, he goes, let go. And I'm like, okay. And, I, and I'm like, I'm, now I'm trying to let go. And I mean, honestly, I can't. I can't. I'm just, I'm just hanging there. Now, what they had told us in the jump master school or whatever was that everyone who goes up parachutes down. That's their policy. They said, if you don't want to go up, they will push you out of the plane to make you go. They said, if you're hanging on, they will just speed up the plane until you can't hang on anymore. <laughs> so they, they have already promised me that I'm going. I am definitely going skydiving today. Like it's happening right now. It doesn't matter what I think. They will cut me loose. Okay. So one more time, he, he goes, let go. And one more time, man, I just can't. So I feel the plane, you know, and I'm just like, oh geez. And literally I, I think I blacked out. I, I actually do not remember letting go of the plane, you know, and I arched and then all of a sudden, and it was like, whoosh, and then you're just like, it's like heaven. It's amazing, right? So if anybody's ever gone skydiving, it's, it's incredible. Here, here's the thing, okay? Why I tell you this story. I wanted the thrill of skydiving. I wanted to experience the thrill of it. But I didn't want to let go. How true is that? For many of us, when it comes to our faith in God, we want the thrill of experiencing God, don't we? We want the thrill of feeling like God's called us out to do something significant and it's going to take faith and it's going to be awesome and there's going to be some stories and man, it's just going to be cool. We want the thrill of experiencing God, of feeling like we had a sense of the touch of God. But here's the thing. If we're going to be honest, and I'm going to poke at you just a little bit, we don't want to let go, do we? See, we still hold on to things that are familiar. 
We want to get out and walk on the water with Jesus, but we still really, it's, man, it feels good holding on to the side of the boat. And so the question that I really want you to wrestle with today is, is there something that God wants you to let go of so that you can experience the thrill of going where he is leading? Is there something that you're holding on to that's really preventing you from stepping out courageously in faith and pursuing what you kind of already sense at times God is beckoning you to do? What is it for you that you're holding on to? Maybe it's some habit that just is something you've been doing for a long time and it's familiar and it's comfortable and, and man, it, it can actually bring you a lot of peace in the midst of anxiety. And maybe, but maybe that one habit, you just, you get the sense that, that God is saying, you're free from that. Come on, let's walk this way. Let's do something really cool. Maybe it's a relationship that you're holding on to and you know that this relationship just is not that good for you. But this relationship has been in your life for so long, you don't even know the fir- how you would possibly even like distance yourself from it. But you know that's not helping you in your faith. It's not helping you in your relationship with God. Maybe what you're holding on to is your time. And again, I'm going to poke at you just a little bit if I could. Maybe there's something in you and you're like, man, yeah, you know, Sunday morning I get all inspired and I get all charged up and I'd really like to serve more. I really feel like that's something that, that, that God wants me to do and I love it when I do it. I always feel so good afterwards. But you know, my time is so short. Maybe you're holding on to that and that's preventing you from going out and serving here at TJ with some of the things we talked about in the announcements this morning or serving here on a Sunday morning or going on one of our international missions trips. Or maybe you're holding on to your independence a little bit. And maybe I really take a shot at the guys here for a second because we kind of stereotypically love to be pretty independent. And maybe your thing is you're like, you know, it's cool, I like coming here, but I, I really don't, you know, my faith is very private. I don't really need to talk to anybody about that. And so you, you're holding on to that independence because it's comfortable for you. You're holding on to the side of the plane and you're like, I got this, I got this. Because to to get into some sort of like a community group and, and actually start to wrestle with, with doubts and questions and, and put yourself out there a little bit. I mean, man, you talk about some incredible stuff that God can do, but man, that is scary. So there's a thrill there, but there's a lot of stuff that we're going to have to let go of. And it's going to be, it can be pretty tough. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe the thing that you're holding on to is your money. You're here, and, and this isn't some pitch to try and get a huge offering today or something like that. That's not why I bring this up. But maybe for you, you just, you just know that God wants you to be generous, like just radically generous in how you give and how you deal with resources in your life. And you know that, but it's just terrifying. And so maybe that's the thing that you're holding on to. I don't know what it is for you, but I really want to encourage you to just wrestle with this question. God, is there something that I'm holding on to that I need to let go of so that I can walk with you freely to do whatever it is that you are calling me 
to do. It's tough. I, I can remember certain times in my life and maybe even just thinking about things that you're potentially like, should I let go of that? It's already like you're already getting amped up inside. Because I can remember times where it was just so clear to me that there was some huge check that I was supposed to write. And I was like, oh, you know, just, I mean, it was, it was terrifying. It was like standing on the edge of a cliff. You know, I don't like heights. So, you know, it's like standing on the edge of a cliff and you just feel like, oh my gosh. Or, you know, you just feel like, God, I know you want to move me out of this job and into this thing, or you want me to do this. And then it's, it freaks you out. But if we really want to experience true freedom and the thrill of following God, we have to let go of some stuff. So what do you need to let go of? As terrifying as that is, there is nothing like the thrill of just that moment where you just say, you know what? In faith, I'm letting it go. God, I'm trusting you. I'm going to follow you. This seems crazy, but I'm just going to go. And I'm telling you, and we know this because we've tasted it. When we can summon the courage and God just gives us the strength and we can walk out in that freedom, it is absolutely awesome. And I just want to encourage you. It's worth it, okay? It's worth it in that moment when you're, you, you know that thing you hold, like to hold on to. It is so worth it when you can just let go and you can finally experience the thrill of walking with God where he wants you to go. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, just want to say thank you so much for um, this letter that we find that was written 2,000 years ago, this Apostle Paul writing to this church in Galatia. And um, Lord, just like they weren't experiencing freedom. They, they were feeling that, that there were certain other things that they had to do. God, many of us here, we can relate to that. There's certain things that, that, um, that we don't feel free from and that we hold on to. A lot of times, because it's just easier that way, it's less scary. Uh, God, we thank you that you, um, you, you give us the freedom to just walk with you and to let go of those things that are maybe familiar and comfortable and routine, but God, you know the things that hold us back. Uh, Lord, you're going to need to pry our fingers off the bar of that airplane because we really need your help. God, many of us, we don't want to do it. We, we feel like we can't do it. But God, um, in faith, we're going to do our best just to follow you. And when you call us to let go of, we're going to try and do that. We thank you, God, uh, for challenging us to let go of the things that hinder us so that we can just be free to experience you and all the thrills that come with a relationship with your son. We thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.